Alrighty, folks, welcome in. Welcome back. You found the right channel. This is Polar FC on the Polar Media Network. We are back at it again this week. We're missing Chris. Unfortunately, he's stuck in traffic. He's probably very angry right now, almost as angry as he gets on Can We Just Talk? So check out that podcast if you if you haven't yet or if you if you want to see Chris mad, that's that's a really good opportunity. But we're back at it again. We got KR. We got Vandy. How we doing, guys? Fantastic. I know the soccer community is, you know, lighting their pitchforks and <laughs> molotovs this week. But it's been a good week for me. It's a big week. It's a big week. And I think soccer has been in the news a lot this week. We'll obviously bring you uh, the latest updates on that. Uh, KR, how you been? Doing well. Uh, you know, I'm sure all three of us are nearing the end of our uh, school semesters. So, uh, you know, having this excitement around soccer, hopefully, you know, we had more free time to, to witness, you know, every segment of it. But hey, this is what uh, this day of the week's for kind of wrapping everything, you know, in, in an hour show or, you know, just one sit down. So it's going to be fun. This is probably going to be one of the most fun episodes we've done so far. Yep, yep, definitely a lot of news to bring you. First off, we'll start with the social media plug. Unfortunately, Chris isn't here to do it. I'm going to have to step up to the plate and handle it myself. Uh, as always, at Polar FC Pod on Twitter, follow us, give us a, a like, slide into our DMs, let us know what you're thinking. Love to hear uh, your thoughts from some of the fans. But yes, let's, uh, let's get right into it. This week, uh, Absolute bombshell coming out of nowhere. Uh, the Super League was formed with, I think, about a dozen of top clubs from uh, uh, England, Italy, and Spain. It has been absolutely crazy to see. I mean, I know I'm a big Twitter guy myself. The number of soccer tweets I've been seeing off the charts. So, I mean... I mean, as a as a fan of soccer in general, okay, maybe I like a little bit of the craziness. Maybe I like to uh, to get to see soccer in in the limelight on uh, on world news. But it's it's certainly an interesting interesting story. Um, I'll pass it over, Kara. You want to give us just like a maybe like one or two minute synopsis, just if we have any listeners who you know were were working twenty four hours a day. Uh, for the past couple of days and didn't didn't get to see any of this at all. Sure. Uh, it essentially, like you mentioned, was uh, another league that was, um, you know, I would say falling into the you know infamous line of a league of their own. Uh, they, you know, wanted top clubs from around different leagues, like you mentioned, from all over Europe uh, to separate themselves from their existing leagues and go into what you called as the Super League, right? So we had six Premier League teams. We had La Liga teams. We had Serie A teams. Um, and all of these teams are essentially going to make a league of their own, play against the same clubs that are, again, at the top of the – top of the, I would say maybe the top 10 to 20, you know, in that top 10 to 20 ranking in the world. So – they were essentially going to depart away from all those other competitors in their domestic leagues and, and go into their own league. And now this was met with a lot of backfire from fans. Fans did not like it. 
Uh, obviously, it was taken away from the motto of, you know, football being a game built by the poor. Uh, and now a lot of people said that it was ruined by the rich. So, um, and, and, you know, we did see that in a sense where they were kind of doing it only for the money, right? There was no other reason to do it. These clubs get to perform, but now, that, now it meant not seeing any upsets, not seeing any big matchups, and, you know, having to see top clubs perform against each other every week. And this also upset the UEFA, UEFA president who's in charge of the Champions League and the Euros. And he said that all players who are in uh, that Super League or all teams that are in the Super League won't be allowed to compete in Champions League. And all players that are in, uh, in the Super League won't be allowed to compete in the Euros. Uh, so obviously you can, you can probably imagine the anger it caused the players and teams as well. Yeah. Yeah. I was a, that was a great summary. I just want to touch a highlight on a couple of things you said there. So you were saying, you know, this decision was mainly for the money. Um, and I think that's how a lot of, uh, people are seeing it. Um, these, these big clubs, basically what they would do is they were saying, you know, we can't deal with the uncertainty of not making the champions league every other year. So, you know what, we're going to go, we're going to make our own league where we're automatically in it and where we get, I think it was something like 300 million euros. They got a bunch of money just for, for like an assigning bonus. And I know that that was the motivation for some of the clubs too, because um, I guess it came more to light here. Some of the larger clubs are looking rather unsustainable uh, under COVID you know, they have these huge expenses to pay their players. They want to buy the top stars. They want to pay everybody nicely. But a lot of the top clubs have really felt the hit because they're used to having so many supporters. And, and yeah, they're just really feeling that financial hit. So I think that was motivation for some of the teams. Um, and I think another interesting part of that is that there was talk about the ownership structure behind some of these teams. I know. Uh, I, I particularly saw a lot of stuff about Liverpool because um, there's a, a fair portion of American investors uh, that are involved in Liverpool. I don't know about the other clubs, um, but basically people were saying, well, you know, it's really not good that you have these investors in, in the team that, you know, contribute to the decision-making process here. Uh, and they don't really, I guess, respect the history of the sport as much. Obviously, American soccer, we get, uh, we get uh, taken down pretty harshly. I'm sure this, this won't, won't look good uh, for us if you want to say, all right, well, it was a lot of American investors and an American bank that was kind of pushing this change. So maybe, maybe we lost a peg in the, uh, in the opinion, uh, uh, the global opinion when it comes to soccer, but it's just, just an absolutely crazy story. Vandy, any any thoughts to add here? It's just crazy to me, like, just to see <laughs> how the clubs just are rapidly backing out of it. Um, I think there's still three more left, Juve, uh, and I can't remember the other two at the moment. Um, I think it's uh, Barca and Real, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, Juve, Barca, Real. Yeah, the two Spanish clubs and then Juve. Um but what was kind of interesting to me was the fact that Man United's owner, Joe Glazer, coming out and saying, oh, we got it wrong. It's like, bro, do you have to have millions of people telling you that it's wrong for you to know that it's wrong? 
Like, who is your PR department for all these clubs? Like, why does it take worldwide outrage for you to realize that this is a, a bad idea? It's like, it's, it's as if they didn't even think that that was a possibility or a likely outcome to the situation until after it happened, which is nuts to me. It's like, you knew it was, you knew it was wrong from the get go. You knew it was going to make some people unhappy, but because it made this amount of people unhappy, that's why you're, you're, you're uh, making a drawback now. Yes, certainly, certainly interesting there. And, and you have to wonder how much, because Obviously, like I, I always say, I haven't been following quite as much, but I think something like this has been in in talks for a while. There's always been talks about bigger clubs wanting to have more money. I mean, they they're the ones bringing in the revenue. They're the ones that, you know, make the game exciting and and they want a, a little bit more of the pie. Um, and there's always been talks about potentially going and breaking off into somewhere where better teams will play more consistently and trying to make kind of like a all-star league or, or something along those lines. Um, but I think, you know, especially when we think of COVID and the financial pressures that it's put on some of these clubs, we talk about, we talk about management all the time, especially at, uh, at Barca. Uh, and we say, you know, what are they thinking? What's happening? What's going on there? And you have to see that that COVID's caused a big financial pressure for some of these clubs and, I think that's kind of what led it to be a little bit more enticing and maybe what led some of these clubs to finally say, okay, like we'll at least test the water to see what people say. You know, I honestly didn't even think of it from that, that standpoint. Cause uh, if you think about it, they're going to, if they do, you know, let's say if it did go through, um, which I honestly think is not going to happen anymore. They're calling it, it's on standby right now, but let's be honest. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but I didn't think of it from that standpoint, right? Think about it going from empty stadiums to now basically having a sold-out match every single week or every day of the week. Uh, and, you know, that to if I'm in, in that chairman position or in that in that e-board position, um, I got just $3 signs right there, right? 3 to $5 signs to me. But, yeah, that's an interesting point that I didn't think of. And, you know, you said that it's been in talks for a while. I actually... Um, had seen earlier this week that Arsene Wenger, who was the uh, manager for Arsenal uh, a couple of years ago, um, he had actually, I, I would say, foreshadowed this. He said that this would have came and that, like I said before, the rich were going to ruin the game. And uh, he kind of emphasized this. And at that time, people didn't really you know, take him seriously. But it's times like those or it's those like, you know, press conference lines that come back and, and you're like, wow, like we should have seen it coming. Right. But who knows? Let's see. Let's see what happens from here. Yeah. Let's yeah. see what happens. But it's kind of hilarious. This whole Super League concept to me outside of, I would say, Real Madrid, Manchester City, of course, Barcelona, Juve and OK, Chelsea all these other teams really haven't been recently successful. So how, how can you call yourself like super like Tottenham? When's the last time they won anything of worse of value, you know, Arsenal, they've been the laughing stock for many years when Arsene Wenger was on his way out. Um, Atletico, they're a competitor, you know, they've, they're always around there, but they've never tasted, tasted real success in the champions league. Um, and, you know, Inter is kind of in that same boat too. It's like the last, they, they were like, 
successful at the turn of 2010 um, when they won the domestic and continental treble. So it's like a lot of these clubs um, outside of uh, the, the, the four or five that are relevant now, it's like the entire league isn't comprised of teams that are just far better than the rest of Europe. It's just because maybe they're the most recognizable names on a global stage. But yeah, it's just, I don't know, the super, the whole league, the whole idea of a super league is kind of funny when you think about each individual team that's in it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you hit on that perfectly. And I think it, it gets back to the whole aspect of like these teams. Yeah. Maybe they haven't had recent success, but I think it, it would be hard to argue that they don't have a very large international following. And maybe they're not the top, 20 teams maybe that maybe some of them aren't in the top 20 mm-hmm. teams in the world right now but it would be hard to argue against that they're in the top 20 in terms of following yeah internationally. it's definitely the cloud that's what i was saying like yeah if they're not successful they're just popular at this point yeah and i think a lot of people were calling uh i heard i saw a couple things um like earn it on the pitch uh, i saw that uh, i think it was uh oh well, that's what it was it was liverpool uh, played Leeds United. Uh, they ended up, I think, drawing, which actually knocked them out of uh, Champions League possibility for next year. So that was kind of crazy that it, <laughs> it's kind of all happening at the same time. But um, I know uh, that game got a lot of publicity. I know the Leeds United uh, players were kind of wearing, uh, you know, earn it on the pitch shirt or like supporting uh, the uh, of the you know, of the intent to not join the Super League. And from what I heard, I think I saw in the press conference, they actually like left the shirts in the uh, Liverpool locker room as well. And and I think, um, so obviously Liverpool and, and uh, Jurgen Klopp, I think he took it the, uh, a negative way to say, wow, like you guys are just showing us up. We know we need to earn it on the pitch. I thought, you know, when I first saw that, I thought that it actually was like the Leeds United organization was like hey like come like stand with us stand against it and I, and then that brings me to my point here and, and my point is like I, I think you got to feel for the players a little bit and the coach like because I know I know from the press conference Jurgen Klopp very frustrated about this whole thing and I'm sure the players uh were as well especially after hearing that they wouldn't be able to go on international duty um if this if this stays but I'm sure those both those parties were both blindsided and incredibly frustrated by this decision of some of their management. Yeah. It's like, I felt like the play, that's what something I was seeing in a lot of um, Twitter comment sections and Instagram comment sections. It's like, they think that the players can't speak out because they're handcuffed for like legal reasons, or maybe it affects like their pay if they say something. Um, yeah. That, that, that kind of does suck. It's like, I, I guarantee you there's, a handful of guys in the locker room that didn't agree with it from the beginning, but it's like, wow, you can't really, can't really talk about it. But what a, what a fairy tale ending. Earn it on the pitch, they lose, and they're supposed to be this thing. It kind of goes back to what I was saying last time too, where I was like, if you think about the game of football or you know soccer, as we like to say here in America, it's like they don't really have an off season. They're always playing games. You know, it sucks. Well, it doesn't suck you know, if you love the sport, but it's like, it sucks because the likelihood of getting injured is just raised because you're, you're out there week after week. So um, I know they try to combat that by saying, okay, well, you can't have international duty and you can't participate in the, you know, other 
other events, you know, on those international breaks. But it's like, geez, this is this is just one more league to add to the the strain and the and the the strife of a year's long schedule of football. Yeah, yeah, and I think recently it's picked up as well with all the schedule changes due to COVID. I think they said I, I was watching a video on Bayern, and I think they said they they played as many games in like. It was either 150 or 175 days as like they normally would play in like 250 days. So the just the games, everything's condensed as, you know, people are trying to make up for lost time, make up for lost revenue because of COVID. And I think you could see that that's that's definitely taking a toll on the players. And I, I agree with you, Vandy. Yeah, I think that's that one thing I think um, that set the players into kind of you know, be on the same side as the fans and, and you know, abolishing the Super League is the international duty, right? I mean, put yourself in in, the inter, in in a soccer player's position. Like, your dream for the whole life is for you to, you know, play for your nation. Uh, maybe, you know, even step up for that penalty kick to win the World Cup. Um, and, like, if you're in the Super League, just because you're now in this elite club or this elite, you know, status of a league, um your dreams of not being in that moment are completely ruined, right? And the worst part is that decision wasn't even in your hands to begin with. So I don't know. For me, at least, uh, I think that was that tipping point um, where it was like, okay, now it's one thing if the fans don't like it and it goes through and they're still allowed to, you know, um, participate in whatever international duty like you mentioned, Jacob. But it's another thing if they're, you know, completely – their rights to compete in international games is completely taken away. And I think it still blows my mind that, you know, something like this, like I've seen YouTubers do this on FIFA, right? Create a super league, put every, put all the best teams in a league. Like that's, but for it to come to fruition in real life and, and, you know, almost go through, it still blows my mind that, you know, essentially in one way or another, like money runs the sport. Right. Um, And, and it, it was almost, you know, it would have been really, really sad to see it actually go that way. Hopefully, I hope this discussion never even comes up again. But I honestly wouldn't be surprised if, you know, 20 years down the road, um, there this talk of a Super League uh, comes up again. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, one one other side note on Liverpool. I'll put in a, a funny comment before we, before we move on here. Uh, I, I texted the guys. I said, I really hope Liverpool just stays in only because I want Jurgen Klopp to leave at the end of the season and go and go coach for Germany. So I was I was having a good laugh because uh, I, I was hoping that yeah, maybe this caused a little rift. Uh, but I guess with with the uh, the news of uh, Hansi Flick leaving Bayern anyways, maybe that's my uh, my solution for the for the uh, DFB. But. I, I had I had one another interesting takeaway here, and I think I don't know. We'll see if you guys agree with me, but I think that FIFA, UEFA, they've been the bad guy from from the press that I've seen pretty frequently over the past maybe like five to ten years with the whole uh, Sepp Blatter thing. Um, obviously, there's talks right now about human rights violations going on. Um, in Qatar, I believe, and like there's talks of corruption and bribery, and like I'm I'm pretty sure I can find like a, a lot of negative press, a lot of negative feelings for FIFA, UEFA, all that 
And I just think it's funny that, you know, this this whole ha- all happened and everyone was like, okay, FIFA's the good guy. UEFA's the good guy. You guys have to stay with them. Like, we can't believe you would be willing to leave them. And, um, I mean, obviously, yeah, there's like, it's they're not leaving because of that. It seems like they're leaving for money. But I just think it's interesting that FIFA, UEFA is coming out on the on the positive side here. Yeah, I feel like, you know, FIFA and UEFA have always been that big, bad NCAA of soccer. Uh, And, you know, like you mentioned, there's been instances for the last probably 30 or 40 years I could think of where they've constantly, you know, done bad stuff to benefit or, you know, profit them. Uh, And I think the biggest one that comes to mind is still that human rights issue in Qatar. which, you know, it's still, this could be another story for another time, you know, a topic for a future podcast, but it doesn't get talked about enough, in my opinion, right? Uh, and, but again, I think it is, it is kind of contradictory and ironic that, uh, you know, everybody kind of hopped on FIFA's backpack and, and said, uh, you know, well, let's save football, but we need you to do it. Yeah, and I know there's, there's always talks like, and I saw this sentiment a lot, like, yeah, FIFA is not the best. UEFA, you know, we everyone can agree that there are areas, or most people, I think, can find some areas where, like, uh, you know, they're not they're not really hitting uh, how they should. But I think a lot of people are like, all right, stay in it, try to reform and get better. Um, and I think that's, like, you know, a classic trade-off when we think about, you know, caring about history. You know, there's there is, like, a really like awesome aspect to that to have this history to have this you know legacy but there's also kind of some downside where it's like all right we're we're kind of like you, you have to play in the champions league you have to do what uefa and fifa say even if you disagree with them because you know there's really no other option they can sanction your players and and really make life tough for you as as a team and as an owner so and uh, that's just kind of contrasting what's what's been going on here. Um, oh, one other one other point I had, and I want to get you guys' take on this is: so we've seen a lot of clubs go in, and we've seen a lot of a lot of the clubs that went in go out. Uh, Vandy mentioned, I think it's just Juve, Real, and Barca. So a lot of all of the English teams that were in left. Um, and I, I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts, you know, do you think that there's going to be like a lasting effect? Is this just a, like, you know, Chelsea, Man United, Man City, Tottenham, they're going to be like, oh, you know, you know, that was just a pure mistake. Go back to like being our fans and staying involved and supporting everything we do. Or is it going to be, you know, some pushback, maybe some skepticism from the fans who felt really wronged by this? decision even though it's now been revoked um i think uh, the best way i would put it is uh time will tell uh but at the same time i wouldn't be surprised if this you know if fans hold a grudge over the teams that were involved uh, and with you know i would say with full support like for me at least uh, i don't blame them uh i would probably do the same thing i know i'm probably not gonna forgive uh, you know, Manchester United for at least attempting to do it. But the fact that uh, there's already been change at the helm uh, kind of puts me in a good mood. Um, 
knowing that that type of mentality won't exist in the organization. So, uh, you know, going forward, hopefully it's replaced with somebody who's passionate for the game, who's passionate to keep the club in wherever in whatever domestic league they're in. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if there are, you know, more changes throughout those teams who were involved. But um, like you said, I think for a lasting effect, it'll time's going to tell whether the fans, you know, kind of forgive them or not. Yeah. Yeah. I did see that with uh, Man U. I think one of their chairmen steps down and I'm, I'm guessing they're going to have maybe more or at least some some sort of structural change. Vandy, your thoughts here? I know how we can forgive them. Let's see what they do in 2024 with their Champions League changes. Um, let's see how the, how high those approval ratings are because they're supposed to be, you know, making some changes to the drastic changes to the format of that. So. Just like Kiar said, it's a wait and care said it's a wait and see thing, and only time will tell. But 2024 is going to be a one of those years where they're going to be like, okay, well, you guys, you did awful with this change, or you did amazing a job with this change. So we'll see then. Yeah, yep, and that is a perfect segment into what I wanted to talk about next year. So yes, that's true, Vandy. You mentioned that they brought up some changes that would take uh, into effect in 2024. Um, I think this was actually shortly after the whole Super League thing. So I think it's been a little bit overshadowed. Uh, but we've talked about it before on the podcast. I think I think our predictions came true um, based off, you know, the inside intel that I, I've been reading on the tabloids here uh, at Build. Um, but yes, yeah, so 2024-2025 season is going to be an expansion of the number of teams from 32 to 36. Um, And they're basically getting rid of the whole concept of the group stage and replacing it with a single league stage that includes all the participating teams. Um, It would feature every participating club would have at least 10 league stage games against 10 different opponents. Uh, so five home, five away, um, instead of that usual six in the group stage. I'm seeing here that the top eight sides would automatically qualify for their knockout stage. Um, with the teams finishing uh, ninth through 24th in a to play like a two-legged playoff fixture to get to the um, other eight. So there's, I guess there's going to be more options for, you know, if you're not doing quite as hot in the, um, in the Champions League, you'll still have a, have a chance to play in this knockout stage. And uh, from what I'm seeing here, it's also uh, similar changes will be made to the uh, Europa League. Um, the other thing they mentioned here was qualification. So qualification is going to be uh, pretty similar. Uh, from what this article is saying. Um, and it seems like uh, now that there are uh, going to be extra spots here, um, there's a chance that clubs ranked third through fifth can get placed, I guess, um, in certain leagues. Um, and let's see. And then there will be another spot uh, that goes to a domestic teams through champions path qualifications. So um, 
And then there are, I guess, a couple other spots going to clubs who have the highest club coefficient. Um, I guess that's their how they how well they've qualified in the past. So there are some some technicalities here that go into how they're going to determine these extra four teams going in. But it seems like I think this seems like a good thing. Honestly, I mean, the group stages, uh, while I find them interesting, I, I do agree that it, it would be more fun to see Bayern play against 10 different teams instead of just a couple teams and repeat. Um, but I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts? I think it's great just because let's say your club broke um, and you're stuck in a group with Real, Barca, and PSG. There's no way you're getting out of it. You may you may win one game out of the six, may draw one game out of the six or something crazy like that. Because there's, you know, been those groups of death where it's like the fourth best team in that scenario is just out of luck because you're not going to, you're not, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get to the next round. Um, so when you're playing 10 random teams, that opens up a lot of room for parity. Um, and let's say, the little guys playing one of the top clubs and they don't, they take that game for granted. They don't play up to their top form and they lose the game. And now you've knocked off a really good team, you know, and that goes down the line in terms of the standings of who gets to advance. And I think that gives like the, the unknown teams or the teams that don't usually progress a chance to get to that next stage. I think it's a good, good decision. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's all about excitement, right? We talked about it last week with the MLS or we've talked about it before as well, but how they have, you know, they don't do two leg games in the playoffs just because I feel like it's more exciting, more electric for the fans. Um, I know, I believe it was Agnelli, who's the Juve director. Uh, somebody had mentioned that, you know, maybe we might have to look into shortening the games to less than 90 minutes in order to, keep fans interested. And so I think that there is always some, this aspect of keeping fans intrigued, keeping fans excited. Everybody will disagree over, you know, what the length uh, of change that the team should go to, or whether it will actually keep fans excited. I'm sure that there was a fair amount of pushback of shortening the games, but I mean, there is this, this underlying concept that team, the, the leagues are trying to make, games appealing to fans and interesting uh care your thoughts on anything yeah i think uh it opens up the playing field a lot especially like you mentioned for the teams who are you know who have spent their entire season um the year before to earn that spot and now they're put in a um you know a, a group with super league teams so uh it, i think it's it's interesting to kind of um, allow them the opportunity to, you know, find another path of victory or, or you know, have another opportunity to earn that spot. Um, you know, we've seen more spots open up. And then you mentioned those technicalities on how the, they'll be kind of ranked and how they make it in or how they don't. So um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, all those, I would say now we're going to have an opportunity to see those sleeper Cinderella teams, right? Um, where we might not be so comfortable having these top tier uh, teams from all around Europe be favorites right off the bat. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, players develop with that experience as well. 
Um, we've seen teams like Leicester, you know, have a magical run and then their entire team goes away. Uh, but, you know, what if a team has a magical run and their players return? Will they make the Champions League again? Champions League again? Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But again, like you guys mentioned, uh, changes are always, you know, a bit tricky. Um, you're always mes- messing with, you know, that tradition aspect. So um, it, 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 I, I think if it works out, people will forget it ever changed and then it'll just go from there. But um, I think that type of change where they're allowing more opportunities and more, you know, different outcomes, um, that's exciting to me at least. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it'll be interesting also to get Chris's take um, especially because he knows a little bit more about baseball and the MLB. And I know that that's a big thing going on in baseball. There's like, oh, they're juicing the balls. They're just playing for home runs. There's, there's all this talk about baseball and how they can make it more appealing to fans. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, when, when we're thinking about world soccer, I'm sure the teams don't want to be in that situation. So maybe they're trying to act a little proactively. And, and that's why some of these things are, are being considered. Yeah, baseball's actually just implemented a rule that if they go into extra innings, um, they start off with a runner on second. So the likelihood of you scoring now in extra innings is way, way, way higher because you already have an opportunity there, right? Um, but again, like I mentioned before, with soccer, there's always that tradition aspect, right? At least when I learned about the game, I learned it through family members who have watched it for you know, 10, 20 years before. So now if you're like, let's say we go 10 years down the road, we're trying to, it's going to, the roles are going to be reversed where the youngins are trying to teach those who have been watching since they were little about the new rules of the game. Right. So um, mm-hmm. that'll, I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic if changes do happen. Again, I mentioned, uh, uh, I probably think that there will be a little bit of hesitancy there, but um, it, it, again, I think, Right now, where FIFA is, it's in a good place where the sport is exciting. There's a lot of good teams coming out, a lot of good players that you can watch. But at the same time, it's sticking to that, you know, the roots of the game. Yeah. Yeah, there's always always a balance that needs to be found there um, versus, like, traditional versus, uh, you know, innovative and fun and, and trying to get more people involved. And I'm sure that that'll be a, a topic that continues to come up. Um, I'm just going to switch over here a little bit to another couple of topics that got overshadowed by COVID or not, sorry, not by COVID, by this whole Super League thing. Um, I mentioned before, Hansi Flick says he's wants out of his contract at Bayern at the end of the season. Uh, it seems to be he's not getting along well um, with the... Uh, I guess the manager of, of the team, uh, I don't know, quite know the exact name, but Hassan uh, Salahamacic, um, he's basically like the GM in, I guess that would be like American sports terms, but apparently the relationship between them not going so well. Uh, he wants out at the end of the season. Another coaching change over in Tottenham, uh, Jose Mourinho out over there. Uh, guys, any thoughts on some of these changes? Uh, it was only time before Jose was sacked. Uh, I think one interesting fact is uh, he's most likely going to be the only Super League manager to be sacked. Yeah, it looks like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just about time. I mean, I didn't really win anything. 
Um, maybe it's just because it's the club. I don't know if they're cursed or something, but yeah, it was time. And, and it, it goes back to what I was talking about um, when they lost, when they when they got outed in the Europa. It's just like there was a disconnect between player and, and manager. So he had to he had to get out of there. It was only a matter of time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely something that most people could see coming. I, I actually, uh, I remember he had a, just a funny press conference that's now running to my mind about uh, Son got like, somebody made a comment on like, he like took a dive. Somebody made a comment and said like, oh, if my son did that, like he wouldn't get fed. And, and they told Mourinho and in his press conference, it was all about like, no, no, no. Parents need to feed their children and why would you do that as a parent not feed your son it was just it just made me laugh to watch that yep. it was uh it was <laughs> the uh manager of Manchester United Olegana Sochar who said that I, I it was he basically said that son uh flopped during the match uh yeah. and that if his son did that he wouldn't give him dinner that night which not gonna lie is kind of messed up like come on it's just, it's in the game why do you gotta bring it there right yeah, but I think the the big thing was like he's making fun of of Sone for for diving. He's not yep. like making a commentary on parents feeding children, which it's just funny that that Mourinho took it that way. Yeah, I can't help but laugh watching that interview. But uh, any uh, any thoughts there, Vandy? Even on his way out, <laughs> he's like recording the people recording him getting into the car. It's just this guy is a clown. Like he's just. Even if you don't like Marina, you can't say he's not funny. He's just always does, says and does funny things. Like he's recorded them and said, see, look, I can't get any privacy. See, look at these guys. <laughs> Recorded him as he walks out of the facility. So it's just hilarious. Yeah. It's so such a funny, such a funny thing to see some of these uh, press conferences. And it's also funny because you have to think like with the whole world soccer, a, a lot of these guys speak different languages. And I think we'll, we'll probably get into that in another episode. Like, what we think about language barriers in terms of sport, but it, it's also kind of funny because you can tell English not his strong suit, um, and it's just kind of cool to see that you know the sport can encompass so many languages, but it also leads to some funny moments sometimes when people may not understand what's being said, and, and I can only imagine how how difficult it is to, to transition languages to to place uh, to eat to coach you know in a whole other language, but. I think, I think in terms of stories, that's going to do it for us this week. I know we have some Champions League games coming up next week. They're still planned to go on. Um, obviously, there were talks of just calling the Champions League uh, because three of the four teams that were going on were involved in the Super League. I think now that they've pulled back, I don't envision UEFA or uh, uh, yeah, I don't envision them calling those games but you know who who knows i'm sure we'll have some some interesting takes from those games and and kind of how the the champions league is gonna you know welcome some of these teams back uh next week so be sure to tune in next week wednesday night we're live we'll probably be on around nine but feel free to follow us on twitter if uh if you want updates and we'll we'll post some stuff there but uh kr vandy any closing thoughts here uh, no, nothing specific for me. Sorry for cutting you off, Randy, but uh, yeah, just a lot of things happen. I'm still probably just trying to digest everything. Go ahead, Randy. 
No, I just about to say it's a win for the game. Um, I guess we can be happy about that. Let's 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 be happy that it didn't actually come to pass. And who knows what what the, what the Champions League would look like if that happened? Who knows how how valuable a Champions League win would be when the best teams aren't even in it? Like people would start to discredit the best the teams. Like, oh well. Tottenham, you want, or sorry, I can't even use Tottenham because they're in the Super League. Leicester, <laughs> <laughs> or RB Leipzig, you won the Champions League, but Bayern was, or, or Bayern's not it, but Barcelona wasn't there, and PSG wasn't there, and Chelsea wasn't there, so is it really a, a win, you know? And so let, let's be happy that that argument isn't a thing to be made. Yeah, certainly don't want to taint that, uh, you know, holding up that trophy. It's supposed to be the best in Europe, and, and that's how we want to keep it, so. I, I totally see where you're coming from. I think next week we'll have an update for everybody on the clubs that are still kind of in it. Uh, we'll probably also have an update on some changes, if anything, in terms of ownership structure changes because of all of uh, what's happening. But we're we're looking forward. We're looking uh, with with eyes wide open to see kind of what's going on here in the next couple of weeks. But. Uh, It's been a great time talking with you guys tonight. And this has been myself, Jacob, Vandy, and KR for Polar FC. And we will uh, see you next week.